that time, the sports talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a beautiful hump day edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. The weather the past few days in Louisville has been unbelievable, and I am kicking myself for not going out there and playing golf to enjoy this perfect weather, but been busy with work, and I've I've gotten outside mostly with the dog. Uh, <laughs> fun show today. A lot going on. Going to have Justin Rowland on, who is the football recruiting analyst at CatsIllustrated.com, a, a co-worker of mine, uh, really makes my job harder with how good he is at his job. He sets the bar so high that I can barely reach it even in my best weeks, uh, but he's great at what he does when it comes to UK football recruiting. He is the end-all, be-all of knowledge and knowing what's going on, and it's times have gotten a, a bit tough. For UK football recruiting, uh, a decommitment last night, a big decommitment that we had talked about when he had committed on the show, just how important it was. Uh, Fullwood decommits from Kentucky, a defensive end, a four-star defensive end, one of the more talented players that were that was on Kentucky's commitment list, but he decommits and. We'll we'll find out if that's a surprise to Justin Rowland. Who else could follow him possibly from decommitting? And and where UK football recruiting goes from here. The class took a bit of a hit last night. was in, uh, I believe, the top 25 or right around the top 25. And now outside the top 30, losing that four-star. Still have two four-stars committed right now. And uh, there's some whispers about Alex Stump, one of UK's most prized commits. A six-foot-three wide receiver who was recently offered from Ohio State. So Justin Rowland will certainly weigh in on that and everything that has to do with football recruiting. We're going to have another special guest here in the second segment. Uh, Good old friend of mine, Brun DMC, who tweets into the show regularly, will be coming into studio uh, around the second segment, around that time. So he'll come in and we'll talk sports together instead of having him tweet or text me throughout the show. He'll be able to weigh in on his opinion, uh, which shows you boys and girls. If you text or tweet into the show enough, I'll invite you in studio and you could come talk sports with me. Uh, but no, he's a, he's a friend of mine lives in Dallas. He's in town in Kentucky for the weekend. So I was happy to be able to have him on, have a chance. And as always, I like to uh, be able to interact with people. When you do a one man show, sometimes you can get lonely. Anyway, Yates, how are you? I'm doing fine, TJ. How about you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Just uh, getting by. It's been a busy day. Uh, I've remind me to ask you this question, Yates, uh, later in the show because we're getting close to when we need to call Justin. He's a very uh, with how hard he works. He's obviously very busy. So this was the only time we could get him on the show today. Uh, remind me to ask you a question about my puppy later in the show, okay, Yates? Sure. It's uh, it's it's kind of a. It's kind of a disgusting question, but we'll get to that too. Uh, anyways, we're going to get Justin on here any minute. As I mentioned, Darius Fullwood, defensive end from Maryland, decommits after visiting Virginia Tech. Kentucky football recruiting has had so much momentum, and that's why I said earlier in the week that this is the most important two-game stretch for Kentucky football that they've had, and in part for recruiting. You can. This is a chance to pack Commonwealth Stadium, show uh, high schoolers how – 
how loyal UK's fan base is, how passionate UK's fan base is, but also for the team, obviously, to show that they are not bottom feeders in the SEC anymore and they're moving in the right direction. For So teams, uh, from a team standpoint, to the side, uh, this is an important two weeks for UK recruiting and fans can certainly have an impact on that. Anyways, Yates, let me know when Justin's on and we'll hop into that. So um, we'll, we'll talk, uh, we talked yesterday, some of the best NCAA tournament teams not to win a national title. We'll pick up that debate a little later in the show today. The first segment's going to be uh, football recruiting heavy. I'm going to talk to Justin about a new feature that he's doing on CatsIllustrated.com, a feature that he just started literally, I think, yesterday, maybe two days ago, that fans have absolutely loved. So we'll have him describe that and why you don't want to miss out on what he has to say. But uh, Kentucky football recruiting, football recruiting regardless, whether it's Kentucky or Louisville, is a lot about momentum. When you're hot and and recruits the other recruits jumping on and, and committing to one school, they feel more compelled to do such. Uh, so it is important to maintain momentum. And right now, we've got Justin rolling on at CatsIllustrated.com to talk to us where Kentucky's momentum is. Justin, how are you? I'm doing great, TJ. How are you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. Uh, obviously, I know a busy last few days for you. Uh, you've had a, a lot more recruiting coverage. National Signing Day seems like a long way away, but it really UK football recruiting really never stops, does it? Well, they pay these coaches a lot of money, and they can't, you know, pay, pay them to do nothing. And if they're busy, then I'm busy. So, you know, it's a year-round gig, that's for sure. Yeah, it is, and, and nobody does it better than you. Good for UK football recruiting. I know you've posted a ton on House of Blue at CatsIllustrated.com that, you know, the sky isn't falling. What's the latest, uh, if you were to give kind of a, a state of the program with UK football recruiting? You know, I think things are still are still looking good. This is going to end up as one of the best classes in school history. It's probably not going to end up as as highly ranked as last year's class, which, if I recall, was 16 or 17 nationally on rival. Last year, Kentucky really hit on all of their top targets. You know, there were some guys that they reached on um, that they didn't get that went elsewhere, but pretty much all the elite recruits that they felt good about, they were able to close on, and that was really rare. Uh, a rare happening, and the usual scenario for any school to to bat a hundred basically. Um, this year they have had some misses. They've had some decommitments. They might have another. Uh, you know, I think this year has maybe been a little bit more normal and and what you would expect from Kentucky. Um, but it's certainly one of the best classes in school history, and one of the reasons that, that I think maybe some of the worry. Um, has been a little bit misplaced is 2016, the next class. It's not too early to start looking ahead to that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have a really great in-state core, and I think you're going to have maybe more personalities in that 2016 class that are akin to maybe the Drew Barker, uh, Thaddeus Snodgrass types that are really enthusiastic and selling the program to other recruits. And frankly, that's that's been what's missing from this class, 2015 class. There really haven't been a lot of leaders, guys that have stepped up and, and sort of made it their job to recruit on Kentucky's behalf. There, there are guys that are enthusiastic about their commitments, but you haven't seen it to the extent that you saw it last year. I think that's probably been the difference from the 2014 to the 2015 class. That, that's one point that I think is not being 
talked about enough is that 2014 class was uh, you had that Twitter account and everybody seemed passionate about being a UK commit. They, it seemed like they all had good relationships with one another. I know uh, when we were able to talk to them, the ones that enrolled early at spring practice, they it, they seemed like that they weren't strangers with one another. Uh, is that unique to that 2014 class that they were that uh, connected, or is it more like is the norm the 2015 class where basically you're just getting a group of guys from all over the the country, all over the South that don't know each other, and they'll get to know each other when they get to UK's campus. I think you see, what you described is more of what we've seen this year. I do think there's been some coordination. Guys like Logan Stenberg down in Alabama, the big offensive lineman, Key Beckham up in Ohio. These these are guys that, that have been really enthusiastic about UK. And C.J. Conrad and Alex Stump have been talking to the Dowell Twins, these athletes from Ohio that Kentucky really wants. So some of that is going on. But last year was was the exception. I think Drew Barker especially was the exception. But a lot of those Ohio guys like Dorian Hendricks and Thaddeus Snodgrass that committed early, you know, it just sort of coincided with, with Stoops and the new staff coming in and the renovations and just the whole general feel that there was a breath of fresh air coming into the program. Um, you know, it's not that it's worn off. It's just that maybe it's not quite as new. And even now when, when Kentucky gets a commitment from like a Jordan Jones and it and it kind of went under the radar that this guy had offers from Michigan State, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. You know, I think the excitement just kind of wore off a little bit, and it's just been more of a grind. I think there are other factors at play, like the lack of a the lack of a quarterback, the lack of a marquee quarterback at the top of the class has hurt it a little bit, I think. And, uh, you know, I think there, there are various factors that go into it. But, uh, you know, this class can still finish strong. I think it's got the potential to finish in the top 25. We've got it at 33 now. But they really don't have that much more margin for error. You know, we're waiting on Alex Stump, and uh, you know they they really need to bat a high average with the guys that are on the board from here on out. Yeah, I, I feel that you work so hard to get these commits to originally commit, and then the work is uh, far from over. And that's that's the biggest difference between basketball recruiting and football recruiting, where you can commit, but basically schools look at you as as an uncommitted target until you sign that national letter of intent. But you, you brought it up, so let's talk about Alex Stump. He was a, a guy that Kentucky's very high on. It's a it's a guy that fans like and, and uh, think that he could be a, a big-time player at UK. But there's kind of been this flirtation with Ohio State. Uh, he wanted an Ohio State offer. He camped at Ohio State, was hoping to get an offer back then. Finally, now the Buckeyes offer What's the latest there, and do you have any predictions whether he stays a cat or goes to the Big Ten? Well, when Ohio State offered, I think the general feel at UK was that Ohio State had waited too long. We think that Stump is not going to find that offense very attractive, and we're going to be able to hold on to this guy. You know, a couple of conversations I had this morning, uh, there was a little bit more uncertainty um, I don't think that Stump has told anybody what he plans to do, but I do think that there that there is a general feel that maybe Ohio State has a better chance uh, than they did, uh, or, or than we thought they did a couple of days ago. So I would say there there is a definite possibility that Stump uh, opts to go with the Buckeyes. You know, as an Ohio kid, and Ohio State offers a very big deal, and I don't I don't think that a lot of people can appreciate that, especially if you're if you're coming from a Kentucky fan's vantage point. Um, so I would, I would say at best right now it's probably 50-50 for Kentucky. 
and you know you might give Ohio State a slight advantage at this point. Fortunately, there are there are potential replacement candidates out there. Kentucky's still in good shape with Taven Richardson, who's a big receiver from South Carolina, and you know he's he's done very well this year against some elite competition. And then beyond that, they've got a couple of really good marquee um, slot receiver options that they're that they're recruiting. And frankly, the freshman receivers that they've got on the team this year have been better than advertised, which is saying something. And maybe the position's a little bit less of a need than it was anyways. So and the sky isn't falling, but you know, I would say Stump Stump definitely um, could be one that could change his mind. It, it certainly seems like he's torn, and I think a good comparison would be if there was an in-state Kentucky basketball player that was maybe a four-star recruit, considering other places, Kentucky comes in, offers, obviously he's going to do whatever he can to end up at Kentucky. It's just kind of the way uh, you're raised in Ohio, it's football, and in Kentucky, it's basketball. But uh, you, you mentioned that UK is looking good at the wide receiver position. So uh, if they were to lose a guy like Alex Stump, one, they have other options, other recruit options, but also they've got young guys in the system already that have another three, uh, even some redshirt guys that might have four years. So they're, they're kind of set at the wide receiver position. I mean, you can always improve. But Darius Fullwood decommits. He was a defensive end. It almost seems that like Kentucky is in a, in a really good position at the defensive end spot. You're obviously going to lose Bud Dupree and Zadarius Smith after this year, uh, debatably two of UK's best players on the team. But uh, Darius, losing Darius Fullwood, where it's a very talented player that you're missing out on, also a very good student, it, it, it's not the end of the world because Kentucky is, is set up well at that position. Is, is that accurate, Justin? I think that's true. Uh, Fullwood, I think, is, was sort of expected to man this jack position that Jason Hatcher and Denzel Ware ultimately are going to play at Kentucky. Um, a, lot of, a lot of times Kentucky's showing three down linemen and they've got somebody standing up on the edge, and I think that's sort of what they wanted Fullwood to do. There are some possibilities out there to fill that role, maybe a Tyrone Riley down in Georgia, and I'll spare you the litany of names. But, you know, there there are replacement candidates. Frankly, Fullwood hasn't had a great senior season, and this is not one of those cases where Kentucky's just parted ways with this guy like they did the, the offensive lineman down in Florida. You know, that I don't want people to, to start spewing sour grapes and, and assume that Kentucky cut Fullwood because that, it didn't happen that way. But, you know, he wasn't having a great senior season. And he, he's kind of a tweener, you know. He's built um, maybe bigger than that jack position, maybe not quite as athletic as you like to see, but smaller than a defensive end. So he's a little bit of a tweener. And Kentucky still feels really good about the defensive linemen that are still on the board. And like you said, they've, they've, got, they've recruited the defensive end spot, that jack spot, well since Stutes has been there. So I think right now on the defensive line, they're kind of in the same position they were at in the secondary a couple of months ago after Marcus Walker and, and Montreal Custis decommitted. You thought you were looking pretty good. Well, now it's back to square one. And now really the only concern at this point is you've got maybe like six targets on the defensive line that you're legitimately going after. Really, If you want to take four, that means you have to bat a high average. And, you know, that's always a risky business in recruiting, which is really unpredictable. In breaking news right now on Twitter, Darius – Fullwood announces his commitment to Virginia Tech. Uh, based on what you were saying on House of Blue, Justin, you can't be surprised. That's not surprising. You know, Virginia Tech recruits that DMV, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area very well. They always have under Frank Beamer. You know, uh, I was watching the NFL the other night, and, and yet another Fuller was there in the NFL making plays. They got a Fuller right there that's from that DMV area at Virginia Tech. You know, Virginia Tech, they, they earned a lot of 
recruiting capital with that win over Ohio State. They kind of squandered it the, the next couple of weeks. But, you know, one of the big marks against that Virginia Tech program was they were never able to win a big game. And this is not an elite Ohio State team, but going into the horseshoe, that is, that is an elite win. And I think that, uh, that Fullwood's commitment, you know, probably had a little something to do with that and, and the respect they earned going into there and, and beating Ohio State. Uh, let me ask you this, because Kentucky's going to flip their fair share of commits to other schools. It's just how football recruiting works. Darius Fullwood visited Virginia Tech unofficially this past weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, how, what, obviously, they, they talked to him and they convinced him that he needs, once he gets home, consider flipping. Uh, they obviously convinced him that was the way to go. Just kind of give me a, a short end of what do you think the conversation goes with coaches when they're talking to another player that's committed, they obviously have to bring up the fact that, hey, you're pledged somewhere else, but but we can change that. Well, if the player is listening, then you know that, that at least means that they're allowing the conversation to take place. And if they're allowing it to take place, then there's not a whole lot that's, that's out of bounds in terms of that recruiting relationship. Every kid is going to be different. Some kids respond differently to negative recruiting than others do, more positive, more negative to it. In the case of Darius Fullwood, I think he, uh, he he probably didn't bond with the Kentucky guys, uh, with, with his fellow commits, as much as some of the Kentucky and Ohio guys did. If I had to guess, uh, Virginia Tech probably sold him hard on, on the win over Virginia Tech. You know, they probably handled it very well when he committed to Kentucky. Start. You know, there are so many decommitments and, and flips nowadays that I think a lot of people appreciate, you know, being a sore loser is really, you're really hurting yourself. Sometimes when a kid commits to a school, you know, maybe another school just flies off the handle and tell him they made a mistake. Well, there's a good chance that's not going to be where he signs. So sometimes being gracious when a kid makes a commitment is going to pay off down the road. And I'm guessing they were respectful uh, of the fact to Darius that he had committed to Kentucky. And, and what, I'm, what I'm guessing they told him is, you know, we're just going to continue to recruit you until signing day until you tell us you don't want us to talk to you anymore. And, you know, as the conversations progressed, I would imagine that Fullwood probably expressed that he was wavering and he was interested in maybe maybe coming to take a visit. And, and they went from there. But you're right, Kentucky is doing this as well. They're in touch with a lot of Mississippi State's commitments, and they're in touch with some, some players committed elsewhere. So, Really is really is all a matter of of all being fair, you know. So long as the letter of intent hasn't been signed, yeah, I think that's always the way to go, and that seems the the approach Kentucky coaches go when they miss out on a on a recruit. They don't burn any bridges; they stay in touch. And uh, one, that's the classy thing to do, and, and two, it can always come back to benefit you in the long run. Uh, speaking with Justin Rowland. Cats Illustrated football recruiting analyst, the best in the biz. Uh, the the few the people that listen to the show, the the UK fans that follow UK football recruiting, they would be uh, very disappointed with me if I didn't ask you the latest on Damian Harris. Uh, he's he's become kind of the poster boy of the 2015 recruiting class for Kentucky, the top target, the the Drew Barker, the Matt Elam of 2014. What's the latest? What's going on there? Well. A couple of months ago, I probably would have fallen in line with some of the national analysts that said that Ohio State's probably running running in front and Kentucky's probably trailing. Uh, a couple of months ago, um, Damian Harris visited Kentucky over the summer uh, for one of the camps, and he didn't participate. But uh, you know, I haven't mentioned this anywhere else because at the time I wasn't at liberty to, but I think it's been long enough I can go ahead and say for the first time on your show, TJ, that... Uh, Harris made a return trip to Kentucky the following day that kind of flew under the radar, and I think everybody wanted to go under the radar. 
And, um, you know, he, he and I think his mother that day had a really good conversation with the Kentucky coaching staff. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, a silent commitment or anything like that took place. But what I can tell you is sources close to the program have told me that there is reason for their optimism. And I'm not even privy to what that is. You know, that, that hasn't been expressed to me. In, in some of these high-profile cases, like with Drew Barker and Matt Elam and Jason Hatcher going back a couple of years, you know, sources really don't want to let anything out of the bag. But what I have been told is Kentucky is confident, and there's a reason for their confidence. It's not just a matter of reading the tea leaves. They, have, they believe they have reason to believe that they're going to get him. And, you know, that's a marked change from, from recently where really people at Kentucky and Ohio State were just kind of going based on what they felt. You know, Kentucky feels like they have a reason for believing what they do. Yeah, uh, that. Well, thanks for the uh, the breaking tidbit there. That is interesting stuff. And now, hopefully, you go to the House of Blue and you put it up there and continue to to please and satisfy all the the Cats Illustrated subscribers that uh, take your word as gospel because you are the best in the business. But I know you you've got a busy schedule. You've got stuff to do, so I'll let you off here. As always, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, TJ. Have a good one. Thanks you too, and that's Justin Rowland. Cats Illustrated Football Recruiting Analyst. You can follow him on Twitter, at Roland Rivals. Uh, really, I'm not just saying this because he works for the same website that I, I write for, but whether you go for a Rivals guy, 24-7 guy, scout guy, when it comes to recruiting, and, and even if it's football, basketball, whatever it is, in my experience and who I follow and where I get updates, he's the best in the biz, and that's uh, he, he is he's better than I am. Uh, he does a great job. So I'm glad he could come on and join us. And fun little tidbit. Harris comes up to camp at Kentucky. It doesn't camp, but hangs out and comes up the very next day, has his mom there, and they talk to the coaches and have a and the coaches leave that conversation feeling very optimistic. That's good news for Kentucky. Uh, Damian Harris is very talented, a great running back. There's no denying that. His high school numbers are almost unbelievable. They make video game numbers uh, look insignificant. But more so, it's just another symbolic recruit that if Kentucky can bring in, it's going to help land them other big recruits to be able to beat Ohio State and Texas A&M and Florida for Damian Harris is just like beating Alabama for Matt Elam. So it can have a, a huge ripple effect moving forward. So uh, it was fun to talk a little football recruiting with him. He's the best in the business. We'll be right back after this break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Stick around. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, second segment, 1450 The Sports Buzz. This is TJ Walker. Great first segment, very informative. That's one thing I, I used to like about my show. I, I'm kidding. I, I like several things about my show, but when, when season's in, I, I did feel whether it was basketball season and now football season, 
uh, we do. Uh, the guests I bring on are, uh, know what they're talking about. And when it comes to football recruiting, uh, if you follow UK football recruiting, that was gold for you right there. Uh, so, again, thanks for Justin to come on. We were gonna, we are planning still to have Brun DMC Brundy uh, come in and, and talk just about anything with us for the remainder of the show. He's running a little bit behind. The plan is that he still comes though. So when he gets here, I'll I'll let you all know, and we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, whatever really is on his mind, he he always tweets me different or texts me different topics to talk about. I haven't gotten those today because he's planning on being in here, so we'll see what's on his mind. Otherwise, what else is going on in the sports world? Uh, we did not really not really much when it comes to uh, UK basketball in terms of what's going on recruiting wise. I guess since Justin just went on a big UK football recruiting uh, tear, I'll talk about what's going on with UK basketball recruiting and Justin was on for 15 minutes. I don't know if I could fill 15 seconds with what's going on with UK basketball recruiting because really there's not much. They're finishing up in-home visits. They're in Florida. They're going to visit Antonio Blakeney uh, in home and talk with him. So they're, they're dealing with that. And besides that, official visits will start for most players coming up pretty soon. Big Blue Madness, 23 days away. They'll have uh, several people come and be on campus for that. We'll learn more. But really, the the most the majority of UK's top targets in 2015 aren't going to announce until 2015, until the year 2015. So not in 2014. They're going to be late signees. And really, that makes sense. If you're going to go to a place like Kansas or Kentucky, and several of these targets are considering both those places, but really, if you're going to go to a place like Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, uh, places that have success with one-and-dones, it just makes sense to wait and see how the season goes to get a better idea of who's staying and who's going. I, I genuinely believe that if Kentucky if all four Kentucky commits from last year and all of those guys committed early, if they wait till the end of the year, I don't think Kentucky gets, you could make a case that Kentucky doesn't get any of them. Uh, I'm sure that they probably would. I'm sure a couple of those guys just wanted to commit to Kentucky because they liked Kentucky. But if you're Tyler Ulyss, do you want to go to Kentucky and and play behind Andrew and Aaron Harrison? If you're Devin Booker, the same thing. Uh, And especially if you're Trey Lyles or Carl Anthony Towns, with how loaded a front court Kentucky had, would that be your destination? And again, I feel some of them would probably have come to Kentucky regardless, but it's it's uh, it's really up in the air. So it just makes sense to wait. Uh, Antonio Blankney, we'll see when he decides to commit. Carlton Bragg's committing in February, so he's going to test out to see midway through the season what's going on. Czech Diallo recently changed his mind. He was going to commit in December. Now he'll wait till the spring. Jalen Brown's going to be a late decision. Uh, Steven Zimmerman announced that he's going to be late. Expect Caleb Swanigan to be late. Obviously, Malik Newman, one of UK's top targets, he's going to be in the spring. So as you have it, Kentucky could be sitting with one commit up until possibly March, maybe April. If they get Carlton Bragg in February, then maybe two going into the into that time period. So, uh, when it comes to basketball recruiting, fans need to be patient because this class it's going to take a while. And, and we talked about John Calipari's watershed moment that he discussed 
uh, on his website, if he has that watershed moment and he loses a lot of players to the NBA, I mean, you can make a case for up to seven or eight guys going pro. Then you've got instant playing time for a lot of these top recruits and they can slide right in. So we'll have to see how this class finishes up, but it could be a while before you get the details. And it was kind of newsworthy last night. Steven Zimmerman said that he doesn't plan on deciding until uh, the spring, like I mentioned, but also he will not be signing a LOI, a letter of intent, which binds a player to the school. It doesn't necessarily even bind the school to the player, but it binds the player to the school. So, if Steven Zimmerman were to sign a letter of intent in the fall signing period with Kentucky and then Willie Cauley-Stein, Dakari Johnson, Carl Anthony Towns, and Trey Lyles all decided to come back. John Calipari decided to go pro. There's nothing Steven Zimmerman can do as a player and as a future student to get out of that letter of intent. He would have to enroll at UK, and it's, it's really unfair to the player. Now, UK could let him out of his letter of intent, and I'm sure in a situation like that, they would. But theoretically, they could say, no, you made a commitment. You signed an agreement, basically a contract. You're going to come to Kentucky for at least a year under under this, or you, or you won't be playing basketball anywhere else. Or you don't have to go to Kentucky, but you can't go anywhere else. So kind of a, a scary binding type agreement that you do see from time to time players don't don't sign letters of intent. Brandon Knight was a very popular one. He signed financial aid agreements with Kentucky, but never signed a letter of intent. I don't get why more players don't do it. It really makes no sense to sign a letter of intent. It's not like that's going to keep you from going to a school. You can sign financial aid agreements and end up at the school regardless. And also, if you don't sign a letter of intent, you can make your decision much later. Theoretically, if Steven Zimmerman wasn't going to sign a letter of intent, he could decide his college in June if he wanted to. He could wait until June and just go, all right, well, now I know how all the rosters have shaken out. I've known what transfers are going where. Uh, obviously, I already know who's going to the NBA. After seeing how all the rosters have, have finalized, I'm going here, and I'll sign financial aid agreements and I'll spend my one or two years in college, and everything will be great. Theoretically, he could do that. Now, there's some disadvantages about waiting that long and this and that, and I don't expect him to wait until June, but April wouldn't be crazy. May, Kentucky's gotten commits before in May. So uh, I think a smart decision from, from Steven Zimmerman, I think you're going to see uh, more people do that. We're going to head to our last commercial break. We've got Brundy in the studio, so when we come back, we'll have him on for the final We'll have a long last segment, and we'll we'll talk about what is in what's on his mind as he arrives back in the Commonwealth. So stick around here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. All right, welcome back. 
we ditched the headset. We're just going straight off the computer, so hopefully it, the sound still comes in good, but it should. Uh, now we've got Brundy here, who is uh, listens to the show, tweets in almost on a daily basis, and now he's in town and in studio. Uh, Brundy, how are you? I'm good. It's nice to listen live rather than 1,300 miles away, so, uh, or 800 rather, 13 hours away. Yeah, well, as you have it, you're here now, and you're, uh, you provide a lot of the conversations for the show, so uh, you make my job a little bit easier someday, <laughs> especially on slow days. And you did tweet me this, um, this link to an article earlier today, basically just showing the reach of some of the top football programs in the country. And I hadn't, I openly admitted over the, over the break that I was asleep when you sent that to me <laughs> and forgot to look at it, but we did look at it over the break, and it is a pretty interesting article, how basically if you're not in the South, you've got to go further out of your campus and you know, within probably 100 miles of your campus to go reach guys, but you've got all these SEC programs, and including Texas A&M in Texas, uh, they can stay at home and get recruits much easier. Uh, with Kentucky, you, you've you've started to see, and this is different. This is new under Mark Stoops. They feel more comfortable going into Ohio and and staying close to home, uh, but they still go and pick and choose in the South and, and get some of their guys that they're comfortable with there. And then you have a guy like Darius Fullwood, who we talked a lot about today, who decommitted from Kentucky. He's from Maryland. He cited location as a reason uh, not to uh, not to stay committed to Kentucky. But uh, you're from Texas. And Texas is often thought to be the the biggest high school football hotspot in the country. Do you kind of get the vibe down there that that it that that means more than almost anything to a lot of uh, families? Even I mean, I, even some of the older guys down there get into it. I do, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of strong family ties, and I totally understand that the Texas pride thing. I think, for example, uh, Baylor. It's a private Baptist university, but it um, it has an inverse pattern of maybe Notre Dame other than their shared love for the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But Baylor is almost entirely Texan, uh, with the exception of a couple uh, a couple huge exceptions. There's a player from Australia and a player from England, but um, mainly that entire team is, is from that Texas area. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to, to look at programs that uh, you can't really discount the, the importance of how, quote-unquote, cool the uniforms look, uh, whereas like um, a company – uh, college like Baylor, or uh, not Baylor, Oregon, that has that reach because of their proximity and, and relationship with Nike, and so they have a lot of uh, a lot of draw across the country. Not just the Oregon area; they have they have a strong draw in San Francisco and and the L.A. metro areas. Yeah, that was one thing that kind of stood out to me. Besides the schools in the South, is Oregon's reach because I, I would say that was probably the biggest reach. Uh, I'm sure it probably says on here actually who's the biggest was, but that's the one that jumped out at me jumped out to me and looked like the the biggest reach. And we have talked about how important uniforms are for college programs and high school recruits. As silly as it sounds, people want to go play with cool uniforms. And also Oregon's ties to Nikes don't hurt. doesn't hurt, but uh, you are in Oregon. High school football in Oregon isn't as great as it can be throughout the country. Uh, the upper northwest high school football is not as great as it is throughout other parts of the country. Obviously, California is great and, and along the southern California's uh, very rich in high school football talent, but it's it's curious. Uh, it's interesting that the effect of jerseys seemingly can have on recruiting classes. And you also have different components, maybe more cultural components. Uh, programs such as Notre Dame with just rich histories, whereas there's just a strong culture there. And because they they play independent of a conference and they 
they travel all over the country. They actually use that as a recruiting mechanism. So you see that team. There's there's basically no locals. I don't know. I, I'm not a big fan of South Bend. Sorry for ever listeners that live there. It's basically uh, don't <laughs> worry. I don't think yeah. Big Bag Dave's listening today, <laughs> so we don't have to worry yeah, about that. That whole team is basically from L.A., Dallas, Miami, Chicago, and Boston. So they're they're quite spread out. And that the the measure of that is this thing called the Air Miles Index, and it basically um, compares the distance between a player's hometown and his school, and then it takes a square root of that for a lot of reasons I just don't understand, and then it's averaged out across the whole team. Huh. So uh, that's an interesting way to get a universal measure of, of the reach of, of these college programs. That is interesting, and, and almost putting like a scientific factor into recruiting. Uh, we do have a text into the show from Clavy116 that says, <laughs> Tell and he's one of the other avid listeners. Why doesn't he here? We could just have a, 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 a people that actively tweet or text into the show. We'd also probably need Rob, Rob Blackhawk, who's a fellow Texan too. So obviously the show's pretty big in Texas. Clavy one sixteen says, "Tell Andrew he's still listening live in Texas. It's not like he's listening on a delayed recording of the show. He's just watching you speak live now." And then he said, "I must have missed something, but." What article are you talking about? I'll, I'll I'll tweet out the article that that Brun DMC had brought to my attention and that we're discussing right now. But it is interesting. It it, it shows really good graphics of where colleges are recruiting, where they're going outside of their campus area, or whether or maybe staying hometown, where they're going to get their targets. Any mm-hmm. any words to Clay B one sixteen? I'll send Clay the story to look at and um, I think there actually is a five second delay clay and a lot can happen in five seconds as, <laughs> as you as you may or may not know uh, I think that, that this graphic would be really cool to look at come basketball season I think that something that um, I remember reading in the past is that Indiana is notoriously awful at actually keeping talent within Indiana they have a lot of players that go elsewhere and again I other than I am a Colts fan but other than that I really have no allegiances to, to the state of Indiana. Well, me and you both. But uh, <laughs> with that, here's the interesting, interesting thing about basketball recruiting is it is different. A, a team like Kentucky just picks and chooses their players regardless of where they're from. And, and you might have a tougher time getting a West Coast guy to come out to, to Kentucky. They've missed on some West Coast targets under Calipari in the past. So you might have a tough time doing that. But it's not like football recruiting where you're telling these guys – you're going to be here for four years. You're going to want to be close to home. You're going to want your parents to come see you. And also, if you have a weekend off, you're going to be able to drive home. With basketball, it's you're one and done. Uh, you're going to go spend your one year in college somewhere. It doesn't have to be close to home because guess what? After that, you're going to be in the NBA. You're going to be flying all over the country. You can kiss your hometown goodbye. So it doesn't necessarily have that same effect. But it is interesting. That's a good point. That Indianapolis is basketball talent-wise, I'm putting maybe behind – I would say Chicago, Atlanta, Indianapolis, and New York City, uh, the suburbs there, and maybe New Jersey as the richest college basketball talent-filled places. Uh, Probably a better way to phrase that. But uh, Indiana has terrible success at getting players from Indianapolis. Kentucky's gotten more top guys from Indianapolis over the past few years than Indiana has, and Indiana did get James Blackman, which seemed like a, a very good chance UK was able to land him. They were able to land him, but besides that, it, it hasn't been great for IU in keeping talent in-state. Uh, on the flip side, 
it's kind of interesting that you can have a place like Indianapolis have so many top recruiting guys. And I mean, you can, the list goes on. I mean, they've had so many good guys over the year. And then you have a, a just, you know, 120 miles south, you've got Kentucky, which when was the last five-star basketball player? I mean, Raymond Spalding is a four-star and goes to your uh, your former Trinity High School. Right. But it's just rare. It's crazy that just 120 miles north, you've got maybe one of the best high school basketball pools in the country. And then in Kentucky, it's rare when you've got a four-star player. I don't know the reasoning behind it, but I'm not sure at all. Yeah, that's that's an interesting quandary. So it, it's kind of disappointing. Uh, you do get, you know, Sweet Sixteen is always really fun. You do get guys like Dominic Hawkins. You get some three-star guys and uh, guys that will have success at smaller places. But you don't really get guys that uh, are going to be one and done. And that's that's. That's unfortunate for Kentucky. What else is going on, Brundy? I'm not sure if you spoke about this. I just saw that Florida State um, strengthened its top five ranked class. Uh, they added a seven foot three center. Oh, I'm going to butcher this name. It's uh, it looks like the first name is Christ, and the second, uh, the last name is Kumaje, and that's that's addition to. I think it might be Kumaji. Kamaji, forgive but me. But it's all right. If if I had a nickel for every time I pronounced yeah. something wrong, probably on today's radio show, <laughs> somebody would be able to get a free meal at rallies. <laughs> that, and I also saw that um, Mac Brown's brother, uh, Watson Brown, is going to set an NCAA record for, uh, I think it's the first coach to have 200 losses, or the, or the quickest to 200 losses. I, I need to go from this before I start speaking about it, but... Uh, well, uh, first off, I didn't know he had a brother. I, and second, I didn't know he had a brother that coached. Third, uh, that's not a stat. That's not the right side of history you want to be on. I doubt that he would have lasted that long had he in, not been Mac Brown's brother. NCAA record for most losses by an NCAA head coach. So it might not be just at one program, but uh, that's that's this interesting. Another most losses. Period. I would have thought a guy like Joe Paterno would have had the most losses. Yeah, I guess I guess you would. Maybe I just have to delve deeper in that story before I start spouting out headlines like that. But that's you know that's that's I don't necessarily get too torn up on the most losses debate because one that usually means you've been at your job for a very very long Longevity's time. Longevity is good. And yeah. two, you probably do have a bunch of wins. Now it, it, it that becomes problematic when you don't have a lot of wins to go with those losses. But uh, nowadays, you don't last that long if you're not getting wins. Uh, but I, I did kind of want to talk to you about this now that I have you here. You, you Speaking of a lot of wins and, and not a lot of losses, you did play football at Trinity, and Trinity is, uh, has kind of established itself, unfortunately for me, as the, <laughs> the powerhouse program in, in Kentucky. Obviously, Mayo is going to have a really good year, and you get some teams outside of Louisville that uh, are, are successful year in and year out. Trinity was able to beat uh, to beat a Tennessee team this weekend, how important was that to you when you played football at Trinity? And I know you know you didn't. I don't think you played your senior year, but right. uh, the point still stands. Uh, is it almost seems like with Trinity's out of state schedule that it seems more important to them to to prove Kentucky football is not what it used to be? I think that there's there's just a large chip on on Trinity players' shoulders, and I, I think that. When San X has strong years too, I think that it, it goes to show that people people say, "Well, yeah, that, that's Kentucky. That's great that you that you won in the state of Kentucky." But uh, why don't you go down south to maybe Georgia or, or Texas, where there's tons of top talent, and then 
prove yourself. So when we do get a top tier win like that, that that really does add to the legacy and and makes people take uh, Kentucky sports a little bit seriously. I know that that doesn't just apply to to football. I remember when I was playing lacrosse, we like Trinity won lacrosse championship four years straight. But people are like, well, yeah, there was only a couple private schools you competed with. So why don't you get outside and go northeast and see how you fare? And and it was a rude awakening. I remember we played the tenth team in the nation and just got stomped out like ten to one. So you really, it, it really does help you figure out where on the stage you are. And if, I mean, kids in the northeast come out of the womb holding a lacrosse stick, and it's just relatively new and in uh, this this part of the country. But I think that when you play top talent around the country, it really opens the eyes of the rest of the country about how good or bad you are relative to the nation. And, and it, that's something that I, I feel Trinity kind of has had to do is play, obviously, places like Trinity and St. X. I don't think they're openly recruiting where you have a guy like Bob Beatty uh, go to a great school and talk to guys and right. say, hey, you need to come in here or go to another high school and say, you're not being used enough, come here. I don't think there's open recruiting like that, but I do think they kind of open themselves up to say, hey, if you're a talented athlete, whether it's football or basketball. Obviously, Bob Beatty's not recruiting for Trinity basketball, which has right. been very successful. But I think they open themselves up to say, if you're a good athlete and, and you take academics seriously, uh, we would love to have you. And they make themselves available to right. those players. And they'll do what they can to, to make that happen. And I think that to say that, that some of the top schools in, in Kentucky, that some do it and some don't, I think that the winning ones do do that and you'd be naive to think otherwise yeah i remember growing up and now you look back at it and realize how stupid it was but uh you play public schools and the the opposing fan bases and student sections would chant that they're recruiting and paying for players and and that part of it's kind of ridiculous but there's no doubt that they do welcome the best talent and and they'll try to uh, accommodate to players that that want to or athletes and even students that want to attend those places. But looking at Trinity's schedule, uh, played a team from Nashville in their first game, Carmel, Indiana, their second game, team from Pennsylvania, which they killed uh, in their third game, uh, played a team from Ohio in fourth, a team from Florida in their fifth. They're going back to Indianapolis, and then they'll go to Indianapolis again. And then they play St. X in the rivalry game. They play uh, manual, they play male, and then they play a team from Ohio. So three games in state. That's crazy. Kentucky or St. X, they've never been shy to go outside the state, but that might be one, two games a year. Uh, Trinity's got a, the bulk of their schedule going outside the state. Right, and I think that um, the fact that schools are willing to come to them is impressive. I, I, I don't, I mean, none of the the far away schools like the team from Philly and the team from Florida they're coming to Trinity. Um, it'd be interesting to see Trinity travel all the way to to Philly for a football game. I don't know how well they'd travel just because I think the home advantage is pretty big considering they, they as well as San X have very nice home stadiums now and are well attended. Yeah, and also when you travel like that, I know the, the team they play from Florida only brought 33 players, uh, which I don't know how much the average high school team has, but only 33 players. That's a starting offense, that's a starting defense, and then about another team worth of team, yeah. you know special teams or bench right. players or backups. That's not a lot of depth, so if you get tired, you're kind of in trouble. Anyways, we're running close. To, we're about out of time here, but um, you know you're in town. You're back in your hometown of Louisville here in Kentucky. You got any big plans for this weekend? I'm going to a wedding in Simpsonville with some of my good friends from the University of Kentucky and uh, just hope to get rowdy and see some people that I, I know that I haven't seen in a long time. No, so, appreciate you letting me on the show. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm glad you were able to get on. I wish we would have had you a little bit longer, yeah, but running late, so. maybe next time it's not a big deal. 
but glad you're here and glad you're able to come on. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Special thanks to Justin Rowland for coming on in the, in the first segment, talking a little U.K. football recruiting. Uh, beautiful weather, so hopefully you'll get to spend a lot of your time outside for this sure. week. It looks like it's going to only continue to be beautiful. Uh, and maybe if you get a chance, go to the – well, I guess you won't have time to go to the Kentucky game on Saturday. Yeah. but. Uh, you need to see the changes that they're doing at Commonwealth Stadium. I'd love to, yeah. But anyways, we're out of time. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow, same time at 3. We'll get somebody on from Bandy to preview the Commodores a little bit. And then we'll have a live show on Friday from Oxmoor where we always end the month. And they'll have Saints Pizzas there. And St. Pizza is fantastic. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This is 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll see you tomorrow. To my old Kentucky home. My old Kentucky home. They say welcome to the 502 Take the Georgia boy and show them how Kentucky do Uncle Freaks Classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 27, don't be hitting two Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take